Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Let's go straight out to the HRMP guest line, being joined by Kadri Ismail, 10-year NFL wide receiver, Super Bowl champion for the Baltimore Ravens. He's co-host of Purple Pregame and Postgame on WJZ TV in Baltimore. Uh, Kadri, thanks so much for taking a few minutes with the Killer Bees. Big game coming up on Saturday. Uh, we both think Lamar ahead of CJ at the quarterback advantage. It was a heated argument with from a couple different hosts at our station. Where do you stand on that side of the argument? I think I know your answer. But how close do you think CJ is as an outsider to being on that same top tier with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, no, I think if you look at the way uh, rookie quarterbacks have played over the last, what, you know, 10 years or so, you could – point to Lamar Jackson and say that, man, you know, he kind of had a, a decent rookie year, and then he obviously blew up his second year. If you look at other quarterbacks, they've kind of, you know, kind of went through the carousel of hard knocks with life in the NFL, and uh, so be it. Whereas for CJ, uh, to do what he's done is really remarkable. I think, um, you know, D'Amico Ryan's being a, a rookie head coach, uh, although I, I, you know, a lot of guys in NFL circles knew that he'd be a phenomenal leader in, in the whole nine yards, but, you know, there's the politics of trying to run a, a uh, coaching staff and, and get on the same page with one another and all that. But with that said, I think he put T.J. and the entire Houston Texans offense uh, in a good working environment that allowed for C.J. to flourish and, you know, credit CJ as well for his uh, maturity and, and not sitting back and just thinking, ah, yeah, yeah, I'm here in the NFL and, you know, sit back and, and kind of take it for granted. He, he went out there and, and did his thing. So very impressive and, and hats off to him. Kadri, I'm curious when looking at this Ravens team, because we know if whether Mark Andrews comes back or not. We know in the past Lamar has based that's been his his security blanket and he loves throwing to him. But we heard in the offseason, we know with the new OC, we knew that there was going to be a little bit different focus on trying to give more weapons and upgrade the receiving crew. Look, we know coming in what Tank Dell meant to this team and how great he was. When you talk about Zay Flowers and those guys and where they were in the draft and how they were compared, and then even OBJ, can you talk about how different or how much better Lamar and the offense has been because of the fact that he has so many more weapons around him now? Yeah, I think the offense has done a complete change, period, end of discussion. Uh, when you look at you know what Greg Roman was about, it was about the tight end position. It was about the running game, and it was about utilizing Lamar Jackson uh, and his skill sets as a runner. Clearly, they were you know throwing the football down the field, but but now I think with Todd Munkin and you know what Eric DeCosta has done as far as bringing in guys like Odell Beckham Jr., guys like uh, Nelson Aguilar, and um, you know drafting a Zay Flowers, it, it put this offense in a different light. And it was defend 53 in the third was the motto that Todd Munkin talked about. Uh, and we've seen that throughout the year. We've seen where this offense has grown. Lamar has grown. He's uh, given more and more responsibility as far as what he sees and what he feels he can do and operate within the offense. Um, the, the games that they've lost, they've beaten themselves rather than the other team taking it to 
Lamar Jackson and, and this Ravens offense. And, and that's saying a lot. You know, they really have a flourish under uh, Tom Munkin. Yeah, I think, they're the, I think they're the best team in the NFL. Kadri Ismail is our guest on the HRMP guest line, 10-year NFL vet, uh, Super Bowl champion, the missile, uh, as you everybody knows him as. Marlon Humphrey has been ruled out for this game. How big of a loss is this for Baltimore's defense? It's huge. It's, 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 it's a, a loss that uh, I was hoping he would be able to get back um, when he talked about his calf and, and the strain that it was. Uh, it's interesting because for Marlon, he's a real quirky personality type of a guy, but he's just such a, a fierce competitor. And guys, once they get past his quirkiness, they realize that you know he's just such a – a, a, a great teammate and he's an awesome guy to have on the field and you know keep guys you know motivated and locked in um i think it's going to be interesting to see how you know the the rotation happens you know opposite brandon stevens who he in his own right has had a remarkable year and i know they rested him um you know the final game against pittsburgh but he'll be back healthy so that's a good sign but uh yeah marlin is, is definitely a, a big big loss Connor, can you talk about, I'm, I'm curious because there's been conversations here as well. We heard D'Amico talk during the week. These two teams played in week one. It's a totally different ball game for both teams now as we look at this round of the playoffs. But what has changed the most between the Ravens in week one and, and the Ravens team now that I agree with Jeremy is the Super Bowl favorite in how dominant they have been this year? Well, I, I think their consistency of, of getting better offensively, but... It's their defense. It's the the tenaciousness, the uh, aggressive, violent, um, intimidating nature of the defense that has really turned the tide. Uh, really changed the way you know Mike McDonald, the defense coordinator. They really changed the way uh, teams uh, can come into either M&T Bank Stadium or if, if they're going on the road, um, how they play their offense. Um, they can't just think that. Oh, we're going to run the same things and expect to uh, be successful. You know, Mike McDonald is given you know different quarterbacks fits by showing different looks. And again, you know, you you just talk about you know, for example, the defensive front has really been aggressive of getting after it, and uh, it's it's really impressive how uh, you know Mike McDonald has those guys playing. I think that's that's really been the biggest difference between uh, week one and now. You see a, a, a completely different uh, mindset. You know, from a team that, that, you know, people are like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all works in year two for, you know, Mike McDonald's defense. They're pretty good, but, but now you know, uh, this is a very formidable, um, defense and, and they've proven it week in and week out. The, the running attack fascinates me because uh, they lead the league, and they lead the league by a mile. I mean, the, the gap between them and Chicago, who's in second, is greater than the gap of Chicago and Atlanta, who's in ninth. So they didn't lead the league in rushing. They led the league in rushing by a lot, and they've lost two starting running backs. J.K. Dobbins, okay, can he stay healthy for a year? Got hurt in the Texans game. And then it's Keaton Mitchell. He looks really, really good. Uh, Gus Edwards, I mean, he falls into the end zone 13 times. Pretty incredible. I know Justice Hill's a nice piece. Lamar Jackson obviously leads the team in rushing. But how does this rushing attack with anybody, anybody carrying the pill, have so much success? Well, I think it goes to the offensive line play. I think uh, Tyler Linderbaum, you know, Kevin Zeitler, um, Guys like that that have set the tone. Morgan Moses has contributed. Ronnie Stanley has contributed. Um, they they they've 
they've just gelled well when it comes to their different schemes. I credit Todd Munkin also to to say, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But Todd, he's like, look, man, I, I'm I'm like the fifth fifty three and the third, but I'm no fool. If the running game is going <laughs> going well, then let's 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 cook with that and then go from there. And the fact that you have number eight, you know, at at at, at center, that that right there changes the game. You can't you know take anything for granted. If he's going to you know have the uh, the pin pull look, where either he's going to just go ahead and and give it to the running back, or he's going to pull it. And if he's pulling it, now all of a sudden you've got a different set of problems. Uh, if you're a linebacker, if you're a DN, you know, it, it's not so simple as, oh, okay, we can key in on a running back, or we can key in on these tendencies. I think all of it makes the running game go so well and, and why they've been so effective. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Lamar as well? I think he's going to win the MVP again, but, you know, we've seen – we saw – the, the guys that have the reputation. Look, here in Houston, James Harden, MVP guy, guy that had massive regular seasons and couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And, and Lamar, whether you know he listens to the media or is on Twitter or not, he I, you got to believe a player kind of knows it's out there and he wants to dispel that. I mean, do you think that that weighs on a player like, like him? And, and, and as good as he's been knowing that, hey, look, it's not just about winning the big one. It's kind of like being able to bury that once and, for all, once and for all with a run like they're set up to do right now. I think for Lamar Jackson, um, boy, if this was uh, you know a podcast, I'd probably use harsher language. <laughs> but I really don't think he cares, and and I, I think you know that the theme for him is stay locked in from jump the very beginning that he got drafted. He was like, "Look, I want to uh, reward the Baltimore Ravens and and the city of Baltimore with a world championship." That's my goal. That's what we're going to be. That's what we're going to be about. And that's his mindset, and that's been his mindset. And, you know, nothing less. And, and I think the maturity of being in his sixth year compared to, say, 2019 when he won the MVP is, is really pretty, pretty amazing because now he's, he's in a position where he's recognizing um, how to stay locked in, how to be a little bit more vocal, uh, both on the field and in the locker room. Um, you know, it's those little details, those intangibles that, you know, we all talk about, uh, but at the same time, you got to see it and, and make it happen if you're, you know, a, a quarterback. And I think Lamar Jackson is doing that, and that's why, number one, he's having the year he's having, but number two, the, the team has really rallied around him. So I really don't think he cares less about what anybody on the outside thinks. I think he's, you know, if anything, using his motivation to, as his own words, stay locked in. Kadri Ismail is our guest, Super Bowl champion, pre-postgame host in uh, TV in Baltimore. I'm always fascinated with this question. I'm curious your perspective of this as a, as a former player. Um, the, the old debate of rust versus rest because I mean Lamar has been fantastic Lamar hasn't played a game in January last time he appeared in a game was December 31st what what is your perspective of you know that old rust conversation because it's gonna be 20 days between games from Lamar yeah I, I hear what you're saying um no question um you know I think that's something that he's gonna have to you know navigate if you will uh navigate meaning that for him, I feel that he's going to be ready, but I think at the same time, you know, for for us, you know, looking at it, it's like, all right, how's he going to be? You know, he 
then playing a preseason and then all of a sudden, you know, the regular season, it took him, you know, a few to kind of get in his rhythm. And once he got to his rhythm, off he went. So, yeah, it, it's one of those cases where, yeah, it, it's a gradual thing. And how do we see it? But I believe that the rhythm and, and the way in which his quarterback coach T. Martin and him are, are on the same page with his preparation, it's, it's not going to take long for him to go out there and be ready to do his thing and, and, and play well. Look, uh, before we wrap it up, just real quick, it, it, you said in the games the Ravens have lost, they beat themselves. From a Houston perspective, just from a game perspective, if the Ravens are, if the Texans have a chance to win this weekend, what has to happen? For the Texans to win? Yes. What's going to have to happen? Yes. For the Texans to win, um, it's going to have to be a little bit warmer. Uh, they're going to have to have the right mixture of tea on the sideline. No, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I think for the Texans, literally, it, it's obviously, you know, handling the road, handling the conditions. Um, it's it's Benico Ryan's uh, putting pressure on his, uh, you know, defensive staff to um, tell the the guys to to stay in their lanes to to not get fooled by the eye candy of the different blocking schemes and you know lose track of what Lamar Jackson can do. It's offensively, C.J. Stroud, don't let the game get too big. Um, if the, there are going to be some negative plays just because of what the Ravens do, but we're better than that. We're built to, to, to go four quarters. Uh, we're, we're built to have a good, strong game plan. If we execute this game plan, you know, there are some mismatches that we feel we could take advantage of, and we're going to. So I think that's kind of like you know, the, the peak inside the team meeting room and, and go out there and let's play and let's see how it all unfolds. Kadri, appreciate you taking a few minutes today. Uh, Those are great stuff. Great to get a little bit, uh, a look beyond enemy lines there. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Go Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> Kadri Ismail uh, hanging out with us on the HRMP guest line. Super Bowl champion for the Ravens. So kind of hints there. And that does pregame, postgame in uh, Baltimore. Some TV work. He mentioned the Linderbaum thing, which we, we've talked about, like the Texans' interior offensive line. Is that a route you want to go? Like, did that kind of pique your interest? And I want to I piggyback on that road conversation. The Texans have won three must-win games in a row. One of them was on the road, but that was in week 18, not in the postseason. Does that come in? Like, how much are you worried about going on the road on Saturday? And also, I think Jerry Jones got it right, shockingly, with Mike McCarthy. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. I mean, Spencer's New Year's resolutions of, of spreading mistruths or not spreading mistruths, he, he's already blown it. Unbelievable, that Spencer guy. I, I like the idea of a Tyler Linderbaum. I really do. Uh, even before Kadri Ismail told us about like these offensive lines, the reason that they, they're the best running game in the NFL with Justice Hill, with Gus the Bus, with Keaton Mitchell hurt, with J.K. Dobbins hurt. Because when the Texans pick in this upcoming draft, they're going to be, what is it, 23? Is that the, the number, 23? So you're going to be in a spot you have no idea how the draft's going to go. We see a lot of interior offensive linemen go in that range, and a lot of times interior offensive linemen that go in that range turn out to be really stinking good. Really stinking good. 
And I know that you have some interior offensive line competition, like if we're thinking next year. Uh, Juice Scruggs is going to be a starter either at left guard or center. Uh, he's been really good. Uh, I I feel like it's going to be left guard. Like, why would you move? I guess positional need. But Juice Scruggs is going to be your left guard. He's going to be your center, one of the two. Jared Patterson's in the fold, six-rounder, played really good at center uh, because he was pressed into action this year. I feel like most people would be out on Kenyon Green, but he's going to be on the team. He's on a rookie contract his third year. I think people would actually have Jared Patterson ahead of like what they expect Kenyon Green to do. So you have a surplus of interior offensive linemen, and you have at least two capable starters, one really good one, one that's capable, maybe two that are capable. But I still love the idea if I could draft a left guard center that I know is going to be my Jeff Saturday for Peyton Manning for the next 10 years, and he makes this run game, he takes it up a notch. I can be sold on that logic. Well, and I, I think prior to getting to that, because I could be too, but I, I think Kenyon Green, whether you like it, dis, disagree, don't like it, the fact of the matter is most general managers that use especially a first-round pick to take a guy like Kenyon Green, he's going to have every opportunity on the planet to be able to gain a starting job at, at left guard next year. Not if you draft a center. Like, if you draft it, it, it's left guard center, because if Juice Scruggs moves to center, then I hear you. But if you draft a Linderbaum type, he's your starter in, in, in uh, Juice Scruggs, your left guard. Right, but I think it's going to change their mentality a little bit, Could. too. I, I think the way they think and look at the draft is, hey, look, we're going to have a guy that as long as he's healthy, because they're going to say he hasn't been healthy and the shoulder's just the latest thing coming off the other the leg injury that he had, that they drafted him in a certain spot. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed, so they're not going to probably put more pressure on him by going and do that. And I get it. The smarter move, the better move for the team would probably be, hey, don't, you can't worry about feelings. You can't worry about where he was drafted. You just got to solidify and do the best job you can to protect mm-hmm. your franchise quarterback. But I just think he's going to have – the job's going to be his to lose. It might not even be his job right now, though. And I, I, I hate the logic. I, I think that you're right that people think that way. I think if you think that way, you're a loser. Like, you have to be able to adjust. Like, you have to be able to uh, – if, if like, we don't – maybe he's going to be really good. Maybe he's going to be next year's version of Derek Stingley. We really don't know. But if you know that he's not as good as Juice Grug and Jared Patterson, he shouldn't be starting. Like, it's a sunk cost – you're only screwing your team if you continue to pound your head against the wall trying to make it work, and if it does not. Now, maybe he is the Derek Stingley next year, and maybe this entire conversation is silly. But if the Texans are on the clock at number 23, they've addressed most of their needs in free agency where there's not really a hole. They have the option of going best player available, and I don't know the interior offensive line draft class all that well right now on January 18th when the Texans are getting ready for a playoff game on Saturday. But if there's a stud center... I, I would be totally oh, fine with that pick. I totally love it because, like you said, Scruggs is a multiple position player, and he can play wherever you put him. And you, we talked about how important it is to have quality backups and depth at every position. And if you can have a Patterson on the roster that can be your backup center, that can be, a, you know, as we know injuries happen too, and he is sitting there, and he, he he's a resource you can utilize as well, fantastic, even better. But now your entire offensive line probably already has more depth than they did last year when you were already knowing in, internally that Kenyon Green, it wasn't and if it was a win, and, and I think you, you you kind of, I don't say lucked out, but you handled it on the fly as best as you could to where you got serviceable again with the guys you lost, but you also lost other guys you weren't expecting to lose as well, but made it more challenging. I think you could eliminate a lot of that, and you could create depth, and you could get younger, and you could get, uh, you know, make sure you solidify everything to protect your quarterback. I'm all on board for that, and you talk about I, I think Manning and Saturday. Game, actually. But you look at Kelsey with Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, knowing watching Green Bay as much as I did. Favre had his guy, Frank Winters, forever and a day. Rodgers had his guy as well. And those are guys you really don't think that much about because you're always looking at skilled position players and defensive, you know, defensive guys. 
But if you get a mainstay center, that is the absolute anchor to your entire offensive line and is a massive difference maker. And, I mean, you need backup offensive linemen. Look at this year. This year's a perfect example for that. Uh, Junior says whoever Iowa center is. That's a good call. Uh, 3379, you guys are talking like the season is over already. Worst show on the station. I'll take that advice. I'm not above criticism and constructive criticism. So because of you, 3379, we're going to segue to your thoughts on the Texans going on the road in a playoff game and having the ability to win. There you go. But I would also say instead of Iowa Junior, I would Wisconsin? look at I would look at Wisconsin. You're such too. a homer. Yeah. Well, guess what? The track You're record. The track record says. There, do they have a guy this yeah. year? No. Not, uh, this year, okay. But uh, Biotish from the Cowboys and a, the Saints. And, a Big Ten center. Give me a Big Ten center. And this football, year? not basketball. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Give me a Big Ten center. Oh yeah. Not basketball though, because that basketball Big Ten center seven four and can't move. Or Greg Oden. I know he's a bust. <laughs> Uh, no, look, as we looked at it, too, I, I was thinking about what, what uh, Kadri said. The biggest compliment you can give to the Baltimore Ravens is, whether it is you know the old Greg Roman style or not, is the fact that that offensive line just gets it done. It doesn't matter, and maybe they don't have one of the top fives at every position or at left tackle or all the different guys that they have. You know what they do? They have guys that run their scheme efficiently, and it's a plug-and-play situation every time they get a running back. Because when you talk about the guys that were supposed to be the guy that's been the kid from Ohio State that's gotten hurt multiple times now, got hurt against the Texans in week one, you, you think about all the different guys they went through. Was it the, You mentioned the, the kid in week eight or not, Williams, right? Of uh, Texans or no the Ravens? They kept, he was getting eight yards of carry. He was oh Keaton Mitchell or Mitchell and Mitchell was all over the field and, and just gashing. And then he gets hurt and you're like, now what do they do? Who cares about Dalvin Cook? Because it really doesn't matter. They have enough guys that the holes are going to be there. They know what the the system and the scheme is, and they execute it to a T. And it just makes everybody, including Lamar's job, easier. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be just Lamar now executing. The, the, the plays with his legs. Yeah. The, the road thing is a different animal to me. Uh, it's going to be a totally different beast. Playoff, road game. And I know the Colts game was like pretty much a playoff game. Now you're doing it with the top seed in the AFC. You're doing it with what I think is the best team in the NFL. Uh, so it, it will be a different animal. Cinder says, worst show? Question mark. Texter is the worst. Thank you, Cinder. 8532 says that 3379 must be a Cowboy fan. I'm just going to let the textures pick yeah, the segues today. Because if he is a Cowboy fan, he's going to like this. Maybe not. I think Jerry Jones got it right. Right. Jerry Jones announcing yesterday they're going to keep Mike McCarthy on as the head coach. And like, I've been at very, very Philadelphia needs to fire the jabroni Nick Sirianni because I think there's way better coaches out on the market than, than Nick Sirianni. I think Mike McCarthy can hold his own. And like, Mike McCarthy had a terrible game. They got humiliated by Green Bay when they were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, Dak peed all over his leg. Uh, the defense didn't show up. Thank you, Dan Quinn. Dallas did some good things this year. I think Mike McCarthy, especially after he moved on from Kellen Moore, I'm going to call plays. Dak had a really good year. C.D. Lamb emerged into a top-tier wide receiver. I think you do need to give Mike McCarthy one year. And shockingly, I believe Jerry Jones got it right. I think when you look at the totality of everything, and it's so easy to just get caught in the moment of how the season ended and the disappointment that went with it and the way that you mentioned how many different ways they dropped the ball. But when you look at Mike McCarthy, and I've been very critical of Mike McCarthy, and I've seen him get a ton of credit for just a quarterback that was calling every play, no matter what he sent the play in to be, uh, and, and, the, and him capitalizing by having the team success with him as the head coach. You had Dak as an MVP candidate all the way through the season. So when you look at it and you have the meeting with Jerry Jones, you basically say, hey, look, we have the number one offense in the NFC or in the league. We, we scored points. We won at home. We, we were dominant in the way we won at home. You know, we got 
the most out of C.D. Lamb, where he broke all the record team records at receiver for the Cowboys and was doing all these unbelievable things. And the fact of the matter is, yes, I'm the guy in charge, but I've got to have my quarterback. And from a defensive coordinator standpoint, look, again, everybody's going to say, well, don't hire Dan Quinn as your head coach because look what happened in the Packer game. But look what Dan Quinn was able to do with that defense, with Micah Parsons, with that secondary, to do the kind of things that elevated their defense too. And the fact is, you can't predict if and or when your quarterback is going to crap the bed. You can't predict the, the and play the game on the field for the players that are out there. So when you think about it, the other and the last thing to me is different than the Philadelphia situation. You got guys coming to the defense of Mike McCarthy and basically saying they like Mike McCarthy because of, especially if you're an offensive player, because he maximized everybody. Yeah, uh, I like the uh, the textures uh, picking my segues. I want to do a whole show that way. Uh, Segway me seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. All right, Bad Take Boulevard. It's going to be a doozy today. And it starts with you jerks. You are on Bad Take Boulevard today. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the Killer Bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. I love today's version of Bad Take Boulevard. I got shamed. I got gaslit. I think I don't know if I ever use that word properly, uh, but I got changed. I, I got gaslit. I got psychologically abused, mentally abused by the Joker to the left of me and the clown to the right. I, I said that frogs were animals, and you no, you idiot! They're not animals. Here, here's how the show ended last Friday. Oh, frog! Did you say fraud or frog? Frog, F, the animal. Frog. It's not an animal. It's not mm. an animal. You don't uh, think a frog's an animal? It's a reptile. Nope. Joel's right here. No. Joel's right here. <laughs> uh, no, it is not a reptile. It's an amphibian. And amphibians are in the animal kingdom. And you guys sitting there, oh, I, I, y'all bluffed me because I'm an impressionable young man and I look up to y'all and y- know they are very knowledgeable and carry tons of wisdom. Well, of course, they're right. I trust them more than I trust myself. That's the last time I ever make that mistake again. Yeah, we got fro- we got animals and mammals. Yeah, that's right. Mix. Unbelievable. That's right, because I heard Joe talking about it after our show. You needed it twice. Yeah. Because one's for blankers and one's for you, Joe. You just made the list. Y'all made the list. Yeah, I asked Lisa on the way home when I heard Joe and BMAC, and BMAC was so adamant about it, too. I'm like, uh uh-oh. And then I called Lisa, and I'm like, oh, we're done. We're in trouble. I was was like, what do you mean it's not an animal? I was like, whatever. They must be right, because they're so, their conviction in their voices. I was like, yeah, okay. I guess I screwed that one up. Nuh-uh. Y'all screwed that one up. Uh, next on the list, Monty Austinfort, the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. As we know, the draft day trade, Texans traded uh, up to number three for Will Anderson. Monty Austinfort makes the list for forcing the Texans to include the Houston 2024 and not the Cleveland 2024. Monty Austinfort, the, the idiot, and the, the guy who belongs on Bad Tag Boulevard because he forced Nick Casario into including the worst draft pick. Yeah, you're, I see what you did there. I like it. I, that's I think true, it, I think. That's right, yeah. I mean, it definitely, you know, it could be the worst day in his history. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It an infamy for yeah. the Arizona general manager. Did you see what they did today? Arizona? Yeah. Uh-uh. They fired, like, 10 employees, including their CFO, two vice presidents. All of them had been there 15 years or more. 
And then the the sale the head of sales that had been the VP that had been there 20 some years said, well, then I'm resigning. And they cut all their social media. They were just trying to save money. It's like, you're an NFL team. What are you doing? Yeah, Bidwell, man. Uh, he might be one of the worst owners we don't talk Agreed. about in the NFL. Like, we, we give a lot of grief to Ursay. We give a lot of grief to um, to Dave Tepper. We've given grief in the past Bengals. to Cal. Uh, they've kind of gotten a pass recently, but I would put them on that Bengals list. Bengals and the Chargers Browns. have been, like, Spanos over the history family. of the NFL, have been known to be cheap. Jerry Jones gets grief because he meddles so much. We don't, I don't believe, give enough grief to Bidwell because I don't think he does a very good job and that, that's another example of it. Space City Kev with a uh, text in nomination for Bad Take Boulevard. Can I nominate Blankers? I'll let you answer this. For absolutely dog cussing Jordan Love all season uh, only for him to dismantle the two seat on the road exclamation point. Dog cussing is extreme. I said I needed to see more. I gave him his flowers when he's playing better but I still said and I pointed it out. I heard John and Lance back me up on it the other day. I watched every snap. I don't think you have. I'll just I'll just go out on a limb. But the fact is, is that this is why I'm so adamant CJ should be always rated as and seen as a better quarterback right now than Jordan Love. Yeah, because it's in the playoffs. He's getting a ton of extra love right now. But the fact is, I've seen how many times he's thrown a baseball up. I mean, thrown a football up like a baseball and receivers look like center fielders stopping, coming in, charging, catching, turning around and running with it that I got to see more. He's done a, a hell of a job. They've had he's had a hell of a season. But I got to see more before I put him in a in the ballpark of C.J. Stroud and or better, where a lot of people are already putting him. No, and no, I, I disagree with that. Texter, oh my god, Texter didn't say Stroud. Texter no, he didn't say, say that. But I'm saying I haven't done whatever dog whatever he said to him. But I I, I have not liked him. I have not felt confident <laughs> with him, and I still have plenty of concerns about it. It sounds like you're kind of dog cussing right now. <laughs> oh, the, the, the guy who sent it in, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're dog you're dog cussing. Jordan okay, Love I can do both. Right <laughs> it sounds like you're still being super critical of uh, of Jordan Love. How about these Browns homers saying that the uh, the Texans pumped in noise to NRG Stadium. I'm not so sure that there wasn't some help. With oh, do you oh. think they were piping sound in? I'm not so okay, sure see, there wasn't I, some help. I, wow. I've been in stadiums, by the way, where I've wondered that. I'm like, I'm sitting here and it doesn't feel like this is generating that. Really? Being in that stadium, let wow, me tell you. Wow, that's really is interesting. That not, is that, that's not allowed? No, it's not. Oh, You're not allowed illegal. to pump in artificial noise. I'm just saying. Music, yes. It has to stop when the quarterback breaks the were. Uh, let me tell you something. There are a lot of empty seats in that stadium. Were there really? Yes. It's embarrassing. Yes. There Texas, was a lot. I want an investigation. Yeah, there were an empty seats there. The, uh, you know what's soft about this, too? Not only is it a bad take and they belong in the list, the guy said, I'm not so sure. Like, if you're going to have that stance, own it, man. Be strong with it. Like, have a take and be ready to fight it. Don't go, I'm not so sure. Like, you're not, you don't even believe it yourself. Were they there? You don't Were even any of the I three of them there idea. either? Because that's a, that would be a hell of a well, question to be able to say, oh, there was empty seats, there was this, there was that. It didn't sound like. Were you actually in the building? It sounds like, I mean, I think that that guy had to have been to say that. If he I would wasn't, hope so. If he wasn't, then yeah. He yeah, if you're just basing it on take. TV and then going, oh, look, after halftime, we know Texans fans like to wait a little bit to get their drinks and stuff and then get back down uh-huh. if you saw like an area i mean like a not an aerial shot like a wide shot coming back and all of a sudden oh there were plenty of empty seats and you didn't realize there were people that went to the concession stands at halftime or whatever like you should have no reason to talk anyway and then it's the cold pizza guy that failed on it jay what's his name it was jay yeah, williams he, jay, no right no that's the coach of Villanova. but but yeah this this dude here i think is, it might be williams should be more of a pro's pro but that that that's inexcusable, man. Junior Broncos, who was at the game, said he didn't see many empty seats, maybe 5%. It looked about 5% on TV. I will say this about NRG Stadium, and I've been at NRG Stadium when it's like 50% full. The acoustics in NRG Stadium are fantastic. 
That place gets noisy even at 50% capacity. I think it's because they have the roof. Like the roof, I think it bounces off of the roof and sound waves and science and all of this stuff. But it does get really loud at NRG. I've been there for high school football games where it's 30% capacity I'm, and it sounds super loud. We dog them because they never open the, the, the roof and all that. But I'm sure that there's technology involved too that make th- that when they say it's louder with the with the roof closed there's there's no doubt I mean, about that's it. how sound waves work right like if you have the open roof sound waves are going to wave their way out of the stadium so, or if you have a roof it's just going to bounce off and come true back story down. when right? when i worked for the blazers in portland and paul allen uh, now passed away was the uh, the massive Rest owner right he he did a thing where acoustically he set the ceiling up and he paid extra to do this for concerts the, the tiles on the on the ceiling of the building would open up so that the huh. sound acoustically would travel. And for basketball games, it would all flatten out and come so because it would come directly down and be that's louder. That's pretty cool. It was pretty it's neat. pretty innovative. I mean, that's, that's the sound waves. I think you're trying to manipulate the sound waves. There. And by the way, the other thing that was a myth proved to be reality, mm-hmm. the other thing he designed into the building, his condo was on top of the building that looked directly down with a bay window on center court. That's pretty cool. It was badass. That's like Hoffines at the Dome. He at had the, the dome, apartment right, up there right. in the, like, I never saw it, but apparently it was there. It existed. Jay Crawford, by the way. That's right, Jay yeah. Crawford. 6761, been to NRG a lot. Loudest I've, uh, I've been there. So this Browns Homer makes the list. Uh, this guy on Twitter, Dog Pound Troll, which, I mean, I guess you could probably have an idea where this is going. I'll say it again. C.J. Stroud did nothing spectacular. He played basic quarterback play, threw the football to wide open receivers. His wide receivers get the credit, not him. Pro Football Focus might agree with that. Uh... Because Cleveland knows so much about great quarterback play, right? They've had Johnny Manziel. They've had Couch. Who else have they had in Cleveland? I mean, they've Deshaun Watson this year has been lousy. What do Cleveland Brown fans know about stellar quarterback play? Absolutely nothing. It's a kid from UCLA. Uh, Dorian, uh, can you cut yeah, DTR? You, Dory, is it uh, Thomas Dorian Robinson? Thomas Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think because the Browns have had a laundry list of quarterbacks over the years that have been less than stellar. At least he wasn't a uh, like a bust. Like he was a late round guy. Yeah. So like whatever. So dog pound troll, which you're probably trying to do this anyways. Uh, you make the list. Did you see you NFL, just made the uh, list. NFL Network? The analyst, all the analysts on the uh, pregame show or whatever, they all picked the Browns to beat the Texans in this game. Every yeah. single one of them. I think there's like eight of them. Too many to list. I didn't even know who half of them were. Uh, Mooch was one of them. Uh, Kurt Warner was one of them. And I think that's all I knew. So whatever. Rich Eisen, was he on that one? Yeah, Rich Eisen was on that one. Yeah, Yeah, Rich Eisen. I thought I saw him. There was like six, seven, eight eight people. I shouldn't say guys. MJD, Maurice Jones, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I don't watch the NFL Network. I I, I watch it. uh, All of them picked. Zerline. He's in, he's in the NFL Network. I do guy. like good morning football. I just don't watch it very often. I don't either. I don't. I just don't. I, I really don't watch TV in the mornings. Uh, but yeah, every NFL Network analyst picked the Browns to beat the Texans, so all of those people make the you list. You just made the list! John McClain couldn't stop tweeting about the Houston Oilers and the Buffalo oh. Bills uh, during this football game. He mentioned it at least twice, maybe three times. So John McClain makes the list. But this one in particular, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but for those Texans fans getting confident with a 38-14 to lead with 4.06 left in the th- third quarter, I'll say one word. Buffalo. He's trolling. You just John made the McClain's list. He's trolling with bad takes. That plus, plus, that history belongs to Amy Adams in Tennessee. Let's they come. carried it with them. I don't know why he's talking about Titans history. Yeah. Or Texans you game. know why? Because he works in Nashville and makes a good coin and and, and follows the, the Titans as well as he follows the, the, the Texans. And he loves that Oilers history because he wants to tell everybody he was there. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. John McClellan, the colonel. Out there using the you just made the list. Guys, watch twice. me put this tweet out and get a whole bunch of responses. <laughs> eat his lemon squares. Pass uh, the popcorn. 93.3 KJR in Seattle. 
pretty sure, yeah, they're the radio home for the Washington Huskies. Last Friday, they were supposed to have uh, DeBoer on uh, their radio show, and they tweeted out, hashtag Husky fans, we know you were looking forward to a visit with Coach DeBoer this morning. Please understand that Coach and Washington Athletics are continuing to work towards a future we can all be excited about. At this time, Coach will not be joining us this morning, but we'll reschedule our interview soon. Hashtag Purple Rain. Hours later, he's the head coach at Alabama. He's closer to Tuscaloosa than he ever was to 93.3 KJR in Seattle on that fateful Friday morning. Is that Poly Station? I don't, I don't know if this is sports. I think it is. Oh, no. KJR oh, is. is a sports station for I sure. I don't know if that yeah, was they used to ho- they used to be the home of the Sonics. I don't think it was Paul Station. I, think I don't Paul remember Paulie's. I don't remember which. Because they had the Seahawks. I want to say he was on a... This doesn't say they have the Seahawks. This says they have the Huskies, the Mariners. No, they don't have the Mariners. They have the Huskies, the Kraken, and Sounders FC. Okay. So this sounds like the second sports station there. Because I think that Paul Station not only had the Seahawks, but I think they had the Mariners too. Maybe, but I know that he always they had Pete Carroll on as part of their deal, and I think that's only normally synonymous with the team that's the flagship. Yeah, they. I'm pretty sure that they had the Mariners and the Seahawks. I know somebody that works there. I can't find them on Twitter, though. Uh, so that's our bad tape, beloved. Do you have anybody you want to just made here? the list? Oh, the lady in Detroit. Oh, the question? Yeah, the question about the, the elements which <laughs> in a dome stadium has to be on the list. A couple of texters made the list. One the other day, Trey Tucker for top closer. You make the list. And then uh, someone you suggested that Ryan Day should be the offense coordinator replacing You Bobby just made Sloan. the list. So those textures make the list of Bad Tank Boulevard. All right, coming up next, is C.J. Stroud that much better than Bryce Young? Or did he just land in a better situation? Quote the athletic, not me. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, another word for Daisy Dips. Look, you guys are going to have viewing parties from now until February because you know there's going to be plenty of football action, plenty of sports where you want some company and you want to watch good television and good games with great food. Well, the way that make all your food better is to get some Daisy Dips. Daisy Dips does all the work for you. You don't have to get that mix in the kitchen with the sour cream and the soup mix and all the seasonings to try and get it right. They do it for you. All you got to do is get to your grocery store and go to the dairy aisle. Find yourself the tubs of Daisy Dips. They have the French onion. They have the the, uh, the ranch. And you are going to be set up because now everything tastes better. From the wings and the pizza to the veggie trays and, of course, your favorite chips, those dips are going to be a difference maker. Your guests are going to love them. And regardless of how good the game is, they know that the spread is going to be a little better. Check them out today. Get to your grocery store and get you some Daisy Dips. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. 6761, been to NRG a lot. Loudest uh, that I've been uh, to, 3881. This is a low-key flex. See if you can catch the low-key flex here. I played a high school football game in NRG Stadium with maybe 12,000 fans in the stands. It was so loud on the field, I could not hear my teammates if they were more than just a couple of yards away. I mean, you played in a big game at uh, NRG, which meant your high school team was really good, and you even got to figure out how many people were there. That's also a flex. I think the secondary flex those 12,000 fans for a high school football game. Because that's, that's not easy to do. No, but when you're not in easy the state do. finals, that, that's when that normally happens. Mm, they haven't, I don't think they played a state semis, finals at NRG. Or what is, would it be districts? They have different rounds. They have area, regional, region yeah, championship, saying, but, blah, 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 blah. They haven't played a state finals in Houston probably in six years. Well, you don't know how old the texture is either. 
uh, six years. Because I mean, I did those games, but they they usually they play them at Jerry's World. No, it's a, it's a flex to have twelve thousand fans yeah. at a high school football game. I I think is where the the flex is at. But congratulations, three eight. Where'd you go to school? Three eight eight one. I'm curious. I wonder if it's like a. Uh, I bet you it's like a, a golden triangle school, like a Nederland or something like that. Uh, 713-780. Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent hater, news hater, hater, story. Hater. Stop what you're doing and listen. It is not Josh Hader. Darn it. Uh, per Adam Schefter, the Panthers have completed a virtual head coach interview today with Bobby Slowick. Okay. Uh, that's a little bit disturbing because he's did a press conference yesterday and said that he wasn't going to do any of these. He was fully focused on Baltimore. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what I immediately thought of too. He's pretty adamant about it too. We were going to, we were going to do that a little bit later in the show, but it, I feel like the timeliness, maybe, maybe a texture needs to tell me to segue to this. That way I can actually do that. He was slow at yesterday. The exact quote that you were talking about, same as last week in regards to the interview request, locked in on Baltimore, have not taken any actual interviews. Same as last week, you know, very grateful for every consideration, grateful for the opportunities, grateful to D'Amico, to Nick, to the Texans organization, you know, for giving me this opportunity. But right now, I couldn't tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm entirely locked in on, on the Ravens. You know, I know coming up here pretty soon, that process is going to start pretty quick, but I'm going to cross that bridge when I get to it right now. Right now, I'm just Baltimore. <laughs> That's correct. He, he lawyered us. Yeah, he, he he didn't say anything factually incorrect because when he talked yesterday, he still hadn't interviewed. He said coming up shortly. We all assumed it would be after the Baltimore game on Saturday. Turned out it was the day after he does the press conference on Thursday ahead of the Saturday game. Uh, he he lawyered us here. This is Bobby Slowick, so he, uh, he's a shrewd fella. He is uh, slick in a little in, a, yeah. in another in another way of putting it. Yeah, the, the minute that I heard that, I'm like, well, wait a minute now. I guess you hear what you want to hear, but I heard I'm just putting it all on pause till after we get through Baltimore. What do you think? Um, like, I, I saw that, like, actually, Ben Johnson is like, it completed interviews like two, and I think there's like a third and a he's fourth a coming up, yeah. and he's doing them all this week. And I, I tweeted, I was like, well, I'm glad that Bobby's not doing it. Foolish me. He's doing one this afternoon. Uh, what do you feel about Bobby doing this two days before the biggest game uh, of the season? And how much of a distraction do you think it is for Bobby Slowick? I don't like it. I, obviously, I don't like it first and foremost selfishly because I want him to stay. I also don't like it because, as we heard, I had the impression that he wasn't going to do this till after the Texans' season was over. Um, and I guess maybe, though, self, uh, not so selfishly when you think about this, I can't deprive the guy of an opportunity. And if he feels like or he's been told by a team or two, hey, if you don't do this, you may miss the opportunity to be considered for this job. And you know that most of these guys, their end-all, be-all is to someday be a head coach in this league that – I don't think there's any harm or foul if you spend an hour or so in a in a virtual interview uh, with a team that may want to give you the the job of a lifetime. So you can't be mad about the fact that your guy has done such a good job that other teams want him. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be in the position to say, "Hey, I blew my opportunity because I was too busy with the playoffs." Now, you do have to like build your your case. So like it's more than just an hour interview. Like you have to put a good amount unless you're just blowing off the interview. Like you have to put a good amount of interview or of prep into doing the interview. Like, "Hey, this is my presentation. This is why I'd be a good head coach. Here's a list of coaches that I would like to work for me. Here's what I plan on doing the first day on the job. This is my philosophy. This is the culture we're going to have." So like it, there's there's a good amount of planning going well, into a head coach interview. And not to poo-poo that, but just to say not necessarily because I've talked to a a couple of people that said 
when you do the zooms, especially if your team is still active, it's basically like for ownership and the GM or whoever's involved in the process to get just a feel for a lot of times you can tell personality wise and kind of what you were talking about philosophy wise and just overall makeup of a person wise, you could tell kind of right away if they'd be a fit with us or not, but that immediately when the season's over, there's going to be a follow-up in person. I mean, if you're going into the zoom and you're kind of just like winging it, no, I'm not saying I don't like your it, chances I don't think you're of being doing a presentation. No, maybe not, but I mean, I don't know, man. Like, this is your first interview. Like, you're going to have to give some pretty well-thought-out answers. Like, you're going to have to do some prep. You're not just going to go into an interview with an owner and be like, I'm going to wing this thing and get this job. No chance. No, I'm not saying that you're not doing any prep, but I'm saying that, look, the most respectful thing that the team trying to hire you can do, too, is understand that you want a guy that's hyper-focused on the job to do that he's doing (laughs) right now. So you want to say, hey, look, if he impresses you with the initial contact, you say, hey, as soon as you guys are done, we want to sit down and get you to, to Carolina. We want to sit down and talk to you. We want to extend it, continue with this conversation. And that's when you do your full-blown presentation. I don't think it's a major distraction. Like, I think you have the time in the day to, like, aside from game – you're not game planning 24 hours a day. You have a chance to even, like, whatever amount of prep you're doing and then whatever amount of time the Zoom interview takes, I do think that you have the time to carve that out uh, from your day. I don't think it's a it's a distraction. Now, I do think that it's probably a tell that, that he would be open to the idea – of uh, taking a, a job, 7557. He just went into the interview and said, look what I did with CJ walks out. Interview wasn't a distraction at all. Bet he gets the job too. It is the ultimate flex. Uh, 3367, D'Amico did the same thing last year. If I recall correctly, this is a sign that Sloic is on his way out. I just pulled up when Ben Johnson pulled his name out of consideration last year. He pulled his name out of consideration January 17th. So it would be this round. It would be in the divisional round. So I'm not even sure... I don't. Do you remember how many? If, if Ben Johnson did an interview at all, a Zoom interview at all, if he did, he did maybe one or two. I think it was only Carolina. Only Carolina. And he then did he, one. Did he do he a was, Zoom and then with he the just Texans? The rest of them. Did he, he do was, a Zoom with the Texans and then pull himself out of consideration? He either was scheduled to do it with the Texans or he did it and then canceled. Okay. So, and they weren't in the playoffs last year. Yeah, that's right. They weren't right? in the playoffs last year. Right. They were eliminated on the last game of the. So season. that's probably even bigger power move then. Mm-hmm. Like if he pulls his name out of consideration and he's not getting ready for a playoff game, right. it's like yeah, I'm staying. I think interviewing for a head coaching job while you're in the playoffs, I think it's a pretty good indicator that if he gets an offer that he likes, he's willing to take it. I think you're probably right. And I, like I said, I, I'm sure it's a dream job. And in any job to be a head coach in the NFL, whether you're a David Cully and after 16 years as a coach, you finally get the opportunity or not, it's something that you want to put on your resume. I was one, once an NFL head coach, and everybody wants to be there. And, and I think that it, it, you, when you think about it, if you get the chance to do the Zoom conversation, it's not going to take a whole hell of a lot for a team that's already dialed in on you to know what you've done to say, hey, look, he's got what we want and 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 be dialed in to say, as soon as we get the opportunity, bring this guy in again. You're not going to be in such a big hurry. And if you are, then he wasn't the right guy for the job in the first place. But if you totally consider him and he doesn't say anything in the Zoom chat that says that you know he's he's blown his chance, then he's still going to be a leading candidate for you, and you're going to find the time to do your your first interview in person. Maybe it's the second round. It doesn't matter. The um, Whenever I heard the Sloic uh, cut, though, uh, from his press conference yesterday, even before I we found out that he did complete an interview with Carolina, you know, today, Adam Schefter reported, listen to this, uh, just the soundbite. Let's, let's analyze this soundbite, because even at the end, to me it sounded like a guy that if he gets an offer would be willing to, li- to leave. Here, here's Sloic again. Same as last week, you know, very grateful 
for every consideration. Grateful for the opportunities. Grateful to D'Amico, to Nick, to the Texans organization, you know, for giving me this opportunity. But right now, I couldn't tell you what's going on. I'm entirely locked in on, on the Ravens. You know, I know coming up here pretty soon, that process is going to start pretty quick, but I'm going to cross that bridge when I get to it right now. Right now, I'm just Baltimore. That's correct. That, to me, still sounds like a guy, hey, whenever that bridge is there, I'm open to walking across that bridge. Like, it's still, mm-hmm. even though he's not doing it currently, and, and I mean, he's kind of right, but he did do it the very next day. He, he kind of definitely gave the innuendo that he wasn't going to do it this week. Um, but it still sounds to me like, well, whenever I get to that bridge, I'll cross it. Okay, that means that you're getting to that head coaching offer, and if you get that head coaching offer, you're crossing the head coaching bridge to go be a head coach somewhere else. Yeah. It still sounded to me like a guy who'd be open to leaving. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that the other thing is he's thanked. It wasn't that, I, look, I appreciate the opportunity I have here, and I appreciate these guys for putting me in a position to be considered. No, it was basically saying, I thank these guys. Yeah. And if you're thanking someone, it's normally because you're moving on to your next opportunity yeah. and with, and you appreciate them putting in the position so that you can be considered. Yeah, you don't do a whole lot of thanking uh, whenever you're going to be there nope. for the next four years. That's a good point, too. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. So Adam Schefter has reported that Bobby Slowick has completed a virtual head coach interview today with Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. Is that a potential landing spot for Bobby Slowick? Is is it a distraction for Saturday's game? Is Slowick on the way out? And how about that quarterback that Bobby Slowick could potentially have in Carolina? In Bryce Young. There was a question today in The Athletic. Is C.J. Stroud that much better than Bryce Young, or did he just land in a better situation? I think we all know the answer to that, but is Carolina trying to create that better situation that C.J. Stroud had? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.